Hello and welcome to another episode of A Kick in the Balls. I'm Clem Crozier and uh, with me as always are Kieran Rob. Hello. Enough now. So we'll get stuck into last week's fixtures. We'll start with West Ham and Tottenham. Uh, I guess for, for West Ham, it wasn't their worst performance of the season by far, but uh, I mean, still not the ideal results. The pressure is mounting on Belichislav. Fans maybe are getting on his back now. What has to happen? Well, I suppose with Tottenham, everyone knows how good a side Tottenham are. The minute their away record's better than their home record, Harry Kane's on fire at the minute. So I don't think the fact that they lost uh, will really be too much of a surprise to a lot of people, and I don't think it's a disaster for West Ham. Uh, I suppose the fact that they went three down so early on does maybe... Uh, but we saw that earlier in the season as well, so we thought maybe they got that sorted to an extent when they had got two clean sheets in a row. But I don't think really it's so much a surprise that they were beaten by Tottenham and the fact that they were able to get two goals back. Is, there's some positives there. I, th- I think you're right. It's, it's that they were 3-0 down at home. That that was kind of the big problem there. And Antonio went off injured as well, didn't he? And he'd only just come back from injury. Yeah, I think, to be honest, Antonio's, from, from my money, their best player as well. So that's a big loss to them if he's out for any real length of time. So Yeah, and it would have... I imagine it would have really changed their game plan as well because bringing Carroll on to replace him is a completely different kind of player. Yeah, they're like Antonio's got a lot of pace, a lot of running in him, which Carroll really doesn't. So. No, he, he's got the the good leap on him to knock balls down and stuff. So um, I think going 3-0 down was a big problem. And they only really got back into it. I mean, I know they, got, they did get uh, the first goal back and then there was the red card. Uh, and then they started to really pile on the pressure. Um, uh for Bilic, I mean, of course, Tottenham's obviously going to be a game where he might not have been favourites to, to take anything from that, but it's it's been such a poor start. Did he need to take maybe a point? And was it the wrong way he set up the game? Could he have gone there or could, could he have opened looking for a point rather than me risking all th- going for all three and then conceding three like that? I think when you're at home, though, you've you, you've got to go for it. I mean, the fans would have been more on his back if it had sat back and hoped for a draw. West Ham under Bilic have never really played that way anyway. And I don't, I don't think, think that'll change anytime soon, if ever. So I think they'll just under some pressure, but I don't think really that result will have changed an awful lot for them. We'll see how they go over the next few games. There's an international break coming up, so you never mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. That. I mean, yeah. well, they bounced back pretty well after the last national break, so it might be the yeah. same little well, lift they Well, need. if they have a poor result this weekend, they might, he might not see the... Yeah, true, yeah, he might yeah. not see the, the end of Swansea, though, sort of, it's a good opportunity for him. Uh, of course, yeah, that's true. Obviously, the talk is uh, that Ancelotti is looking for a return to the Premier League after yep. being sacked yep. by Munich. I don't think any of the top clubs are likely to be changing their managers anytime in, in the near future. So, but again, you think maybe some of Ancelotti's CV could maybe aim a little bit higher than where West Ham currently are. See where he's going to get in, though. Yep. That's the thing. So. He might have to just take on something more of a project. Like obviously West Ham, they've got a brand new sixty thousand seater stadium, like so it's something to work off there. Yeah, but maybe maybe he'll just wait out until Wenger steps down. It might be a long time, but yeah, I think I can't see him wanting to be out of the game for what's probably going to be another what eight well, two months? years, yeah. so nearly yeah, two maybe years. Maybe not. Maybe not. And then from Tottenham's point of view, uh, the away form at least keeps rolling on very well. I mean, if. If they could replicate that at home, you think they'd have a very, very strong shot, probably to even win the Premier League. But does that make it even more frustrating, the fact that they can they can go away so often and get these results and and then home is, the same side doesn't turn up? I think it must do, yeah. Like, uh, last season, too much of Tottenham's success was built on their superb home form. And they'd, they'd need to improve it if they're going to be challenging for the league. I don't think they are going to challenge the league. I don't think anyone really expected them to with the money that uh, City and uh, United especially threw at it and Chelsea obviously defending champions are very strong as well but I got obviously they're fourth at the minute but they will need to get some amount of home form together I think yeah. if they are to make the top four because Arsenal obviously had a couple of bad fixtures they're now on a good run you look at the next two games and I think they're all winnable uh, Liverpool are level on points with them after going through a bad run you think they're going to turn their form around at some stage so Tottenham can't purely survive in a way for him, which is always going to be a bit iffy for anybody. So We have also talked about it before, and if it's at White Hart Lane, had they put that move off for one year more, could they have had a, a really good crack at the Premier League this year? Well, maybe, but as I say, the amount of money spent by the rivals and like 
that decision will have been made a couple of years ago about that move and it's not something that they'd have been able to decide like White Hart, Hart Lane was about half dismantled anyway by the end of last season they were playing with reduced capacity it wasn't going to be doable and I just think really the question will be how they adapt when they when they go back and how they can hold out for the rest of this season because they're going to have to get some form together at Wembley to be honest it would have been a bigger problem had they stayed at White Hart Lane and won the league and then gone to Wembley Wembley and been so poor there Mm -hmm. you know that would have looked even worse I think okay looking to Burnley and Huddersfield then Uh, I guess Huddersfield can have no complaints there it's no way of points not much of a thrilling game no goals either side but yeah there was a bit of a talking point with the uh, the dive well it was pretty clear and Sean Dyche was absolutely ripping about it Mm -hmm. Um, and he made a very good point and it's a point that he's been hammering home for a while is that let's say Huddersfield got the penalty and scored, Huddersfield win the game, Burnley get nothing. Yep. And then the retroactive punishment for the player for Is diving. The suspension. The suspension. Yeah, it doesn't give Burnley the Gives point Burnley back. nothing. Yeah. But Burnley get absolutely nothing out of that. Yeah. So it needs to, and Sean Dash's point is that it needs if to be anything, resolved. It's worse for Burnley because then that player's not available to take points off their rivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's right. Uh, yeah, I think obviously it's a little disappointing for Burnley, but. It's another. It's been a while since Huddersfield won in the league, but they're defensively they've been solid still. Like that's another clean sheet for them, and these points they add up. So I think it's a good result for Huddersfield. A little disappointing for Burnley. Still a very good start to the season, obviously mm-hmm. for Burnley. Well, that's the thing for Burnley. A lot of their um, their best performances have actually come away from home, which is such a, an inversion of what we had last season, where really their home form was their real strength and the away form was the weakness. But um, this time. I mean, Burnley, maybe games they could be expected to do a little better at home hasn't quite happened for them yet and the away form has been much the stronger. I think eventually during, during the season that'll reverse. It could do, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what will happen. I think it'll they'll start picking up wins at home and their, their away form will turn. Which is a shame because, you, you know, you want... You want them to be equal, but I think that's probably what will happen. They've got so many of those tough away games out of the way already, though. Mm-hmm. Like, so they've left themselves in a very good been, position. Been to Chelsea, kick on been Liverpool, they are, they are doing very well. Uh, both sides very respectable starts. Uh, Huddersfield, in particular, eighth in the table on nine points. Burnley only behind them on goal difference. I don't think either side can have any complaints at all about that. No, I think they'll no, both, both be sides would, take, would have taken yeah. that very very happily at the start of the season both of them are you say, are almost certainly going to end up finishing bottom half both of them like still could be involved in the relegation battle but they've started very well mm-hmm. both sets of fans will be very happy with the starts their teams have made and uh, I don't think there really can be any complaints and for hardest feeling particularly like, I mean uh, if we've talked about before sometimes that fast start can just about get you out of trouble uh, that happened a whole one season going back a few years ago that uh the second half of the season, very little gained at all from those games, but the start was so strong that it kept them up in the end. So, I mean, obviously that'd be worst case scenario that they'd fall back on that at the end, but the points do all add up, as you say. So Everton and Bournemouth, I mean, that's, of course, a very big result for Koeman, who had a lot of pressure mounting on him. Uh, not ideal for Bournemouth at all. After their their first win of the season, they might have wanted to, to build on that, of course, even though obviously Everton away is going to be a tricky game for a side like Bournemouth to go and take three points from but uh, Everton certainly will come out at the happier side yeah they will but they left it very late and they were dependent on a player who was told by Koeman that he could look for another club to come back and get the two goals to rescue it for them like if you look at Everton's performance again during the midweek uh, against Apollon I'd really that's still a team that really there's a lot not right there like again, it was the, the, the defending was very, very poor in and midweek. That's, really, that's the thing that they really should be all right with. I mean, they mm-hmm. ha- were very solid last season. They haven't made any changes at the no, back. No, like have they? well, they brought in Keane, like and they brought in Pickford, who would really should be. We better. talked about it at the beginning, said so that Everton's defence on paper looks like it should be a very strong one. Then Pickford's a good goalkeeper. Yeah, and if we saw them at the start of the season, like against uh, Man City, they were really, really organised. Whereas in some of their more recent games, they've looked all over the place. I think really. They haven't replaced Lukaku, so that's obviously a problem at the other end of the pitch. But defensively, there are no, there were, there can be no excuses for them. So. And the crazy thing is, I mean, at the end of last season, people were talking about potentially Coman going to Barcelona and would he save his contract at Everton? And there's now looking like actual some pressure that Coman could be 
maybe not here in a few weeks. Well, I think he, he did actually come out and say that uh, Nias pretty much saved his job there. Is it Nias? How you pronounce Nias, it? Yeah. Yeah, Nias, yeah. He pretty much saved his job. Well, that, that's what he, he... I don't know if he was quoted as saying that, but that's sort of what's what's come out. Yeah, that might be a wee bit of an exaggeration, yeah. but like... All managers only get so long these days, and in more cases than not, they don't get all that long. Koeman obviously, a good season last year, buys him a bit of time but he did spend big money, so yeah, he needs time to bed those players in, but he only he's only going to get so long, and really, the hope was that these players could break Everton, certainly into the top six, and even contend for the top four, they're, light years away from the top four, never mind the top, and the top six, never mind the top four at the minute, like really, at this stage, they're no more likely to get that top six than anybody else, they could end up finishing mid-table and that would be a real, real disappointment considering the money they spent. But it's just, uh, still an element of um, having to find the best system to fit these new players that bought the best 11. I know they're all bought with a system in mind, but you know there is a bit tweaking and tampering to be done and get them all to settle. Uh, and speaking of which, is uh, Nias going to have to be reconsidered for what he can bring to the club now that he did go and get those important goals well, to turn the I, game around? I think he should be. I mean, I, I think they just have too many players to do the same thing. In mm. many ways, they remind me a lot of United under Van Gaal at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, way they, too many. They don't know their tens. best 11, they yeah. don't even know their best system. Back yeah. three, back four. Like, there's a lot of slow build-up play like the, they're a very pedestrian outfit mm. like I'd say United under Van Gaal who obviously spent big big money as well would be probably the best comparison we can draw and ultimately uh, Van Gaal was sacked after two years and not delivering what was de- deemed to be acceptable and the rest of the clubs have improved since then uh, to what they were when Van Gaal was managing United Okay so uh, if we look at Eddie Howe's situation um a similarly disappointing start, but obviously a very different expectation. Um, uh, looking back uh, two weeks ago when, when they got their win with the goal from Defoe to see that game for them, and that looked like it might just kickstart something. Uh, I know Everton's going to be a tricky place for a, a club like Bournemouth to go, but uh, with Everton being the form that they are, might Eddie Howe feel he could have got more out of that game than he did? I think if they'd have took their chances, they would have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and especially with Everton leaving it so late to get yeah. back into the game. I think it's bound to be an element of disappointment always if you are ahead and you end up losing, especially when your head's so late on, there's going to be an element of disappointment. So. Okay, so Man City and Crystal Palace, uh, of course, not the start that Roy Hodgson was looking for. No, well, the, the, the start first, was against Southampton. Uh, the uh, first 40 minutes, they were all right. I think it was that yeah. first goal and then they felt a bit... Like, I thought uh, Loftus-Cheek did well. Like, yeah, I think he yeah. looks their best player this season for me. Like, uh, he's obviously they're only on loan from Chelsea, I think, isn't he? But, yeah, uh, he is, yeah. The Chelsea loan death sentence. That, uh... But uh, he's done really well from what I've seen. I think he looks... He's a bit, plays a bit like Dal Ali. That's a similar position, pace and physical strength. Uh, I think, definitely, the result will be a disappointment the first 40 minutes, as Rob says, performance was, was not bad. I think it, it wasn't a game that Hodgson wanted to have so early on no. in his tenure. Obviously, Man United this weekend would fall into that same bracket again that he doesn't want well, to have so mentioned early about on. his first four where he could potentially lose. Yeah, so. and he has lost his first two. But Do you know what? I, I, I think because he's had an extra weight with him, I, I think... United will have a harder time breaking them down. I think so, yeah. Maybe now, yeah. And yeah. you think United weren't spectacular last week against Southampton. Like, I'd still fancy them to win, but I think it could be a grittier and more more of a dug-in affair, sort of. So. Uh, Man City were ruthless, of course. I mean, every opportunity they really put away. Um, I've got, I've, the big part we've got to talk about now is the injury to Sergio Aguero and how that affects that, because being so potent going forward and... Aguero and uh, Gabriel Jesus starting to make a very good partnership up front, but well, Jesus didn't actually end up starting last week. No, he week, didn't. No, no. If no. you think he probably will this week with mm-hmm. Aguero, it's been confirmed he won't play. You would hope for Man City and for Aguero, like when they've been doing so well that, that he won't be out for too long. Well, I've heard it's only very early suggestions, but it could be around two months with a that's what that I read this morning yeah. for Aguero yeah, and for City. Mm-hmm. Like you would consider against a lot of sides, they still have enough in midfield like goal scoring midfielders Sterling's obviously been playing well this season Jesus has done well did well last season as well uh, Sané like there's there's so much strength and depth that they should be able to, against most sides to still have enough to get themselves over the line but there will be games where just Aguero's experience and just his, 
his quality, like as I said, I think he said it was something maybe even only last week. I said I think he's the best out and out striker in the league, and they will miss him undoubtedly, especially this weekend. Yeah, like Chelsea, that's ex- exactly the sort of game where that mm-hmm. experience and that just ability in front of goal and know-hows and value. If, uh, if it was another side, you know, I think they would get away with it because you know you could have Sterling on the left, Sané on the right, and then he's just through the middle. Is, yeah, and with De Bruyne and Silva behind them, you know, I mean that. That's got front, five, that yeah. front five you think is excellent, isn't mm-hmm. it? And then certainly got potential for goals in there by the bottom. Yeah, load, absolutely. Like. Um, so I, I, th- I think it's it's going to be a massive blow. But some games, you know, they're, they're probably not even. Yeah, even most games them. I think they'll be all right. Just games yeah. like Chelsea this weekend is where where they could suffer for it. So. Aguero's been unfortunate though. I mean, there's been quite a few seasons where he's been doing really well, and there's been a bit of an injury setback just to take a few, you know, games out of there. And you feel if he really had. A whole season where you really went unbroken. Could yeah. he go and take yeah, records? He, like the same he, way that you know, Suarez and Ronaldo would go and set that break up 30? 30 goal a season yeah. striker, I think, if he was to get 38 games in the side he's playing and like he, well he's got what is it seven goals from eight appearances in all competitions this season like he's everyone knows how prolific he is he's absolutely every every inch the natural finisher mm-hmm. uh, but it does just seem to be, seem to be that he is injury Brings prone a bit of bad luck this is obviously him, yeah. completely different because he got that in the car accident mm-hmm. but it is just an unfortunate thing that he's never quite had the run of games that, enough yeah. to get himself into that sort of 30 goal bracket but but, I mean, people have been tearing into Aguero bits over this because uh, what was he doing in, in Amsterdam? But, I mean, that, that could have happened to well, a, a gig in England. He was not expected to be... Like, he was perfectly entitled to be there. There's no... It wasn't even him driving, so me no, can't blame for that. So yeah, it's not like he went AWOL either, no, is no. he? No. Uh, there's no suggestion from the club that they're at all angry with him for being there, so... It's just an unfortunate thing that happens. It just happens. Yeah, and that's it's unfortunate for Aguero and for City. Yeah, so. yeah, it is, and... It's as you say another season where he's going to miss a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a shame. It's a shame for the fans as well, for everyone watching football, because he is such a good player. Yeah, he's only what, one or two goals off breaking the record now for, for City. Yeah, 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 yeah they're we expecting him to get that sort of very soon now. Yeah, he, he, he'll still get the record, of course. Yeah, oh, of course will, but it's been yeah. put back sort of a few months. Okay, so looking at the title rivals, then uh, United were away to Southampton, a bit more tricky game than Man City had in their hands. Is that maybe a bit more the the gritty side of you know that they've been lacking in uh, the last season that they w- we're starting to see now that uh, might just get in the title if they, if they do go well that could be a really big contributing factor. Well, I don't think they really played very well though. No, it wasn't a fluid performance certainly, but uh, you need to sometimes as games. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. I get, there's no team plays well every week. And it's it's often said sort of you see teams when they don't play well and they win they say that's a champion's performance. And I suppose we'll have to wait until yeah. hindsight will tell us if it is right. But uh, yeah, like I think Southampton did all right. Again, you'd look, you would say the lack of goals in the side, but they didn't defend too badly. They created a bit. Uh, it wasn't an awful performance by Southampton by any means. I've already said it wasn't a great performance by United. So I, I think no, United maybe aren't quite as settled yet, despite their. Performances as maybe City and even Chelsea are, but they're still getting the performance. They're still joint top of the league on points. Like you would say that they still absolutely deserve to be spoken about as potential champions. So, uh, probably as well worth mentioning it's a uh, while City have their injury struggles. Paul Pogba's now going to be off sideline for a while now. Yeah, um, they haven't given a time frame, but they have said long term. I mean, he was starting to get a bit of form together. Probably doesn't look like the, the proverbial ninety million pounds that the. I mean, I'm not sure how anyone really justifies that price tag right now but he was still playing a lot better than he had been last season starting to get a, a few more goals think, and assists not I think up. it's a bit easier for a striker to justify that I mean yeah. Lukaku's been banging goals in for fun yeah, although maybe a more tangible yeah. result from mm-hmm. there's a little more unsung work in the middle of the part, he's, part, yeah, of, the part of the game Luk- Luk- Lukaku's it, missed some sitters though during this first mm-hmm. few games I mean he missed an absolute sitter against Real Madrid before the season started and he's, he's missed a few during the season I mean well, but he just keeps getting there. so many chances mm-hmm. so which it's uh, inevitable which is good score. for the, the side that they're able to create that many chances yeah. I, I think like obviously Lukaku had a difficult season last year uh, he didn't play particularly well he certainly didn't play like an 89 million pound player or whatever that would be like he was the, the record, record fee at the time 
Uh, this season he has done noticeably better. Obviously he's yeah. been getting goals, getting assists. He's just been playing better as well. Mm-hmm. He's looked more confident. So it, it is a blow for him. Like obviously when he's coming into some form to get that injury and you know, obviously don't want to have one of their star players, which you have to say he is, he's the most expensive player obviously, uh, out with injury. But I think there's enough strength and depth in that side. We were saying before the season about how they had I, I think that I think they'll be able to cover him. You yeah, know, I think not they, not to the same level, maybe, but you know they've got plenty enough of good to get players. The results. Yeah, yeah, you you would expect so for a, for a team like Man United with yeah. the squad that they have. You would expect that people can. Yeah, I mean, like Herrera was their player of the season last year, and he's, and he's barely, barely played this yeah. season, so he yeah. can come in there. Fill that role for give the physicality of uh, Pogba. But he's a very confident player on the ball, great passer of the ball. He'll tackle, he'll work hard as well. Uh, I think United will be fine even without Pogba. So. Okay, uh, looking to Swansea then. Uh, again, not quite what they're looking for. Lost 2 1 home to Watford. Watford again continue to keep a little role going for themselves. They have started the season quite brightly. Um, is pressure mounting on Paul Clement now? Um, I'm not sure. Because no, I don't think so. I don't uh, think so. they had such a difficult job with replacing uh, Urente and Sigurdsson. And the players, like we bring back Bonnie, bring in Sanchez, like they were never going to get players of those players' quality. So it's going to take some time to bed those players in. And if they perform as well as we know it, that they can perform, or certainly that they could perform, and obviously uh, Sanchez is, st- is still very young, so you can imagine he still does have that ability. I mean, we said before, he was the young player of the tournament at the Euros there the summer before last. So I, I don't think... I think it would be very harsh for, for uh, Paul Clement to be under any pressure at this stage. Well, it was... I think you could turn it around and say that there was a great recovery from Watford after mm-hmm. having such a dreadful result the week before that they were able to come back, hit the ground running, get a good away win. Swansea will be disappointed. They did score, which they well, obviously have been their main problem earlier in the season. They defended well but not scored. This time they scored and they still conceded two and lost again. So obviously... There are worries as to where Swansea are going to end up this season. Watford, I think, can be very happy and can look forward to hopefully more results of that type. So. I, th- I think um, the Watford goals came from individual errors um, with the Swansea defence. The, the second goal certainly did. There was a bit of a, uh, <clears throat> a bit of a poor pass, and therefore just latched onto it and, and buried it. Um, so I, th- I think Paul Clement after the game said he was disappointed, but they played all right, and that if they just cut out those individual errors, they probably would have come away with something. But then, you know, uh, first ones we've talked about the lack of creativity. I mean, Watford have been a side that have conceded quite a few goals this season. Is it a bit disappointing at home? Could only manage the one goal. Well, Swansea's problem though, isn't it? They're just they're really struggling to. I mean, they, they, I think from what I remember, they were created absolutely zero in the first half. And then they brought on Abraham, uh, went two up top, and that, that's that's where they got the goal from. Um, and then, well, they just didn't capitalise on that. Yeah, like, and we say, Clem, as well, like, about how, well, like you say also, like, Swansea, they had the fewest shots, not shots on target, but shots, and probably shots on target as well, of anybody uh, leading into this game. Like, so it was no surprise, really, that they scored so few goals. And you say about the Watford having conceded, uh, the City game really does inflate Watford's goals conceded. Yeah. Like, they'd actually... Conceded three to Liverpool as well. Liverpool, yeah, but they'd also had a good few clean sheets. I mean, I don't think we can say Swansea are an awful side defensively when actually the record, those very difficult games aside... Watford, you mean? Uh, yeah, sorry, Watford does not say Watford. He says Swansea. Okay, well, uh, uh, I don't think we can say that Watford our dreadful side defensively on the basis of conceding shipping goals in two very difficult games. I mean, they've had a good few clean sheets as well. Generally, mm-hmm. their defence hasn't been particularly bad. So. More yeah. case of when it rains, it pours. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you can... You can't really count the Man City game. It's just an anomaly, isn't it? They, mm-hmm. City just go on these runs sometimes and just absolutely steamroll everybody. Okay, but for Watford's looking very bright. They're in the top six, 11 points from six games. That's a, it's a very strong start. Yeah, it's the same as Tottenham and Liverpool. So. Mm-hmm. Looking on to the, the Chelsea game, I mean, that, that was a, a one I thought could have really been a banana skin for Chelsea. I mean, Stoke away is a very tricky place to go. 
but I mean they steamrolled it. They really looked very very comfortable. I think yeah, uh, it was the ruthlessness the which minutes. we talked about. Then yeah. we were talking. It, yeah. Chelsea have a ruthlessness. They've got a way of getting mm-hmm. results, and really they have been. They're looking ominously good. I would say at the minute, like that was a great result. Atletico hadn't conceded in that stadium before. Uh, obviously, it's their first season there, but mm-hmm. there was absolutely the the impression you got was that the the hostile environment that was the Calderon had absolutely moved to this mm-hmm. new stadium, which is very difficult to always bring with you. Yeah, it is, but it looked like they'd done mm-hmm. it. Certainly, the atmosphere seemed to be there, and. Chelsea just went on. They were the better side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they were the better side. They, obviously, when you sneak a goal so late on, like you don't expect to get that win. But talk about composure, not to punt that into the box with seconds literally remaining. Mm-hmm. Score with the last kick of the game. It looked like a routine off the training ground. And really, to, to go away from there with the win, it puts them in such a good position in that group, obviously. You think and this gives them such confidence heading into the weekend as well. You think as well for Chelsea, I mean, when you, when you start to get the uh, super late winners like that, like how Sherlock Ferguson had done them in the Fergie time people talked about, it starts to feel like um, like a real momentum building, like so you're almost destined to win these games. Yeah, I think so. Like Chelsea definitely have momentum, which sets it up really nicely for the weekend because City absolutely have momentum as well. They won the, obviously in the weekend or in the week at the Champions League too. So it sets it up well. Obviously, we'll get on to that. But I think Chelsea have a lot to be happy with at the minute. So. Yeah, it's been a good couple of weeks for them, hasn't it? Loads of got. I mean, not often teams go to Stoke and score four. I know. No, I mean, this is a side that had held United and beat Arsenal. So. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know they've got loads of problems at the back at the minute. They've, they've got very few defenders that are fit, but you still don't expect Stoke to be conceding for. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. at uh, the Britannia. So. Yeah, and, and good for Morata as well, getting a getting a hat-trick. Uh, I thought his second goal was really, really good, where he, he yeah. pretty much ran the, the, the length of the... The half and just slotted it straight. I, I mean, it was really, really. We weren't good sure how Morata would do as mm-hmm. the main man because he wasn't that at you know, or Juventus or Real. But he's done everything he's done he'd done ask, so really. well. Like you have yeah. to say, obviously the talk like this season's largely been about Aguero, Lukaku, and then since the start of September, Kane. But Morata's done every bit as well. He's just been he's been superb, really, and he looks like he looks like a steal to be honest. At sixty million, obviously that's. Big big money, but yeah. like he's just done. He hasn't put a foot wrong. Like, well, so. I mean, if he comes at the golden boot, I mean, compared to some of the Which players, is possible. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the players around him, have cost more. It could be a steal. And I, I think it was just good. It was good as well for Chelsea to get the win uh, against Atletico with Costa sitting in the stands. Yeah, oh, you know, the, the face of Costa was priceless. priceless. Yeah. Well, a penny for his thoughts. And I think uh, Morata's start to the season has made people very quickly not to worry too much about the fact yeah. that Costa's yeah. leaving. I, I think uh, a lot of them are thinking, oh, good riddance. Yeah, like, obviously Costa's a very good player. In terms of his physicality, obviously Morata doesn't, but Morata's just started so well. Mm-hmm. He, he reminds me a lot of Fernando Torres in terms of his movement. But not like, at Chelsea. No. Yeah, like sort of that sort of... Oh, Liverpool Torres. Yeah, he's yeah. not... He's not a Lukaku, he's not a battering ram, but he's physical enough. Yeah, he can hold the ball he, up when he, he needs to. He's got enough of that to be, to be able to hack it against... The vast majority of fans, he's got that pace as well. I for goal, like good with his head. Obviously, he'd start the season headed goals, headed assists. He's been scoring now really well with his feet as well. He just seems to have so much about him that he just seems like a great acquisition for Chelsea. And so, like, it's rare to see a team win the league without a superb striker. And Chelsea obviously had David Costa, and now they've got Morata. So you'd have to say that it's a big boost for them. Okay, if we look at uh, Stoke, um, you got to feel a bit. Uh, they've been a bit unlucky so far. They've only got five points on the board, but they've actually played quite well in some of the games so far. I mean, you don't match as any pressure on Marquis Stallman. They have played well. There was good. a bit before the start of the season. Mm-hmm. You think that mm-hmm. the start of the season has lifted it from? Yeah. Probably the Chelsea result hasn't put it on really too yeah. much. It's Chelsea. They're the champions. That's what they do. But yeah, they've had a really t- difficult start mm-hmm. the season. They've had obviously we talked about Arsenal and United as and well. Quite often they have played well. Stuck, yeah, been... they, but they didn't against Chelsea. No but credit to Chelsea for because Chelsea absolutely did. So. I think um, did the Stoke not take until October to get their first win last season? They certainly went a they, long, they, they long took time, a long time. Like, yeah, um, I I think towards the end of the season there might be more pressure on Hughes because yeah. they'll they'll look at it that they haven't progressed. Not, yeah, mm-hmm. like after being sort of perennial ninth basers, they stuck 
a few steps backward last yeah. season. So I think the hope will be that at least they'll finish 10th, 9th, 8th, top half this season. Yeah. Which, which is a good deal. Like, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. it's early days and I think if those it, difficult fixtures out of the way. Now, I think if, if they don't finish there, then I think there will be pressure because that'll be four years that he's been there. Mm-hmm. And if they're yeah. taking a step backwards, and I know he, Mark Hughes has a, he has a lot of uh, ability of bringing in very, very good players for, you know, mm-hmm. very, very good prices. Yeah. Uh, and he's done that throughout his manager. Yeah, the likes of Shakiri and yeah, Bullion. Yeah, and, he, uh, and that, that's just at Stoke. You know, yeah. when, he was at, when he was at Blackburn, he was bringing Rocky in... Rocky Santa Cruz. Yeah, and before that, yeah. Benny McCarthy, he got mm-hmm. for about two million. Um, it was at Man City where he went a little bit crazy with a checkbook. Yeah, but, but do you see that? But so people often, do that, don't people they? People do that, and sometimes it works. Like, and you have to remember, he wasn't taking over City in the position that say Guardiola or even no, Pellegrini. No, no, he wasn't. I mean, transition era. He, he, he was yeah. the transition man. Like, yeah. and it's hard to know. Like, nobody, no matter how much money threw of it, really in the Premier League, has ever gone from our City world as a mid-table club to uh, title contenders. He did sign company though. That was one of his. That he was did, a marquee yeah, signing. He did, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, no one will ever know how Man City under Mark Hughes would have played out had he been given more time. But he did, a, as you say, a great job at Blackburn and he's done a, an okay job, I would say, at Stoke. No more, no less. He's had, it's a not so much consistently average, but sort of brilliant and dreadful, which has worked out at average, sort of. Yeah. He's brought in some very good signings, some signings that haven't worked. He's beaten, He's got some really big scalps. He's taken a few hidings as well, a few disappointing results as well against teams that, that have expected to beat, but that just seems to be the way that Stoke have been under Mark Hughes, and maybe it'll never change, really, if... We don't know how long he'll be there, but... I think if if they don't feel like they're progressing, they might look at it at the end of the season. Yeah. But well, the I question don't... is, who do they get? Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, like... I don't think really top managers want to go to Stoke. No. I mean, at least we were talking well, we were earlier about Aunt Charlie wanting to go to West, maybe going to West Ham. There is more history like, in West Ham, bigger well, stadium. There, there's, yeah, I suppose we more history, but it, a bigger big, fan base, bigger stadium, a big new stadium is a big thing, and like London is a big attraction as well. Mm-hmm. You can live in a very sort of big, important happening city where Stoke don't really have that attraction, but. Uh, so it's who would they get to replace you would be the question and uh, I'm not really sure we'd probably we'll talk about it a bit more if and when the time comes they need to replace them but okay so uh, looking to Liverpool and Leicester I mean that's the same as uh, I'd been previous midweek when uh, Liverpool really hadn't taken their chances at all there's a lot of them to take away from that game and try and come back at the weekend a bit wiser for it and uh, didn't do everything right they're slower some mistakes and with some talking points in that game, but the three points were there. They they took enough from it to to go on yeah, and win the game. They took three points, but I think you'd have to consider they conceded just as many goals as they did when yeah. they were beaten. Yeah. And if Fardy had scored the penalty, mm-hmm. then they'd have conceded another one there as well. Like Leicester, actually, I, Leicester did play better in the midweek one. Leicester did not play; they were very reliant on the Vardy out ball basically, yeah. and. It wasn't. It wasn't a great. I've seen better performances from Leicester this season when the result has been maybe more one sided, like maybe against United and the like. The better performances without getting sort of a result that looked closer. Liverpool, typical Liverpool. They scored three goals. Pretty strong going forward, yeah, but like I think the Salah goal was outstanding. Mm-hmm. That headed goal at the narrow angle. I thought Coutinho was really good again. If this is to be his last season, uh, as it was with Suarez uh, a couple of seasons ago, he is uh, does seem to be putting in uh, top-notch performances, which is a big boost to Liverpool. So. Uh, I think as well, talk with that game, um, the penalty is a bit weird because there was one immediately after it that probably looked more penalty than the first one did. I mean, for mm. the first penalty, Mignolet actually seemed to get touched in the ball, and then for the second one that wasn't given, there was a look of a handball. In all honesty, I think they were both penalties. I think it wasn't given because it was so, so, so close. Yeah. Yeah. I think had it not been for the first penalty, the second one may well, well been, have been yeah. given. Hypothetically, like, right, if it was a second penalty, do you think Jamie Vardy would have actually done something different? Yes. Because um, we said, we were talking last week and it was before we recorded it. putting them down the middle a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is... Like, Mignolet is a good penalty save. Yeah. He saved nearly half of the penalties that he's faced. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh I, whether Vardy, or whether Vardy would even have taken the second one, or no, somebody maybe else not. would have had a chance maybe to take not. it, but definitely, it made him look quite stupid. I think, yeah, because it was a rubbish penalty to begin with. Um, Although if the a, keeper dives, they say it's a good penalty. That's the thing. It's yeah. ne- I don't think it's ever a good penalty when it's down the middle. Uh, 
Well, anyhow, I for me, Clem was saying he doesn't think the first one was a penalty. I think yeah, the keeper gets a shade of the ball, but he absolutely he does take the man fully, and he takes him with the boot. It's not. It's not a follow but through with the trailing leg. He is, he is going to kick the ball and he does kick the ball and oh, happens to catch him as well. You know? the ball, yeah, but if it's he, anywhere on the pitch, anywhere else, a it's a, it's a foul. Yeah, and you've got to look at it that way. Um, the second one, was it handball the second one? Yeah, yeah. from memory, Tran. Yeah. His hand was by his side and he did go for it with his head, but it did. He, he sort of turned into it, didn't he? Yeah. It looked, it looked it suspicious. Yeah. Again, sort of like it, it was a weird angle or a weird height to go for yeah. with your head to begin with. Like it was, sometimes they're given, sometimes yeah. they're not. If it's I'd a bit of a strange one. I would have been inclined to give it. But uh, midweek again, Liverpool, very guilty of Liverpool do not taking their chances when I mean, they created so, so many. I mean, at the end, there were about three or four chances where they could have put the ball in that and sealed the game. Yeah, in the Champions League. I mean, we look at that group when Liverpool were drawn in it and we thought that Good chance a win. great chance yeah. for Liverpool. And they still think they probably will get through but really, they, they need to... In terms of getting out of the group, I wouldn't be too worried about that because, I mean, well, Marbor aren't going to get out of the group. We still know it's Sevilla plus one to begin with, so, I mean... And Liverpool still have to have uh, yeah. Spartak come Spartak down. Spartak don't gain any ground on Liverpool from that result because they both come out at the same one point. So, in terms of actually getting out of the group, what does set back is it makes it very difficult now for Liverpool to win the group. Which well, they're going to need to yeah. get a good result in Sevilla. Mm-hmm. And, of course, coming second does get you that more difficult draw. It does, and you'd have to say... Well, Liverpool can be so good going forward that under that you can never write them off against anybody. It's probably not knowing what Liverpool's going to turn up. The top, the top strike forces in Europe, the Madrids, the PSGs, the Barcelonas, like they would be rubbing their hands looking at Liverpool defence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about Barcelona would cut them to pieces. Yeah, I think Madrid would as well. I mean, uh, see, Gareth Bale's finished the other night. Mm-hmm. Absolutely Very brilliant, good. wasn't it? He gets a lot of flack out there, but he's still an amazing player. Absolutely, yeah. He had a really good game. Okay, so looking to Brighton and Newcastle, and not quite Real Madrid, but... Uh, I mean, a good, good segue. Yeah. Uh, Brighton have got to be very pleased with that. I mean, it's a, it's a one nil at home with three points in the bag. Newcastle have been on a pretty good run themselves. So Yeah, Newcastle's won their last three. Yeah. Uh, we were saying that is the goal now not just to stay up but to try and get a mid-table finish on the basis of that performance maybe we need to re- revise our yeah. slightly and say maybe the goal should still be to stay up for Newcastle in which case we have to call this relegation six-pointer mm-hmm. but yeah it's a good result for Brighton uh, disappointed for Newcastle obviously when they'd gone so well in their last three games and won three you wouldn't think they'd really have any complaints about it I think Brighton were the better side. I think probably the only downer on that match would be the fact that uh, Tomer Hamed, who scored the goal, has now got a three-match ban for stamping uh, retrospectively. So that's well, at least a wee bit of a sour taste for, for Brighton. But I think they can still take mm-hmm. a lot of positives from that match. And, they'll and of course, I mean, not not the, the result that Newcastle were looking for, but overall their start's been quite strong. I think all the, the promoted sides are going to look at that and say they would have taken... The positions they are on the table right now. Yeah, well, none of them are season. in the bottom three and two in the top yeah. half. So, so it should make for a very interesting relegation scrap when you imagine some of those promoted clubs are going to have to take those dips as well, where maybe the experience in the Premier League will start to show who has it and who hasn't got it. But I, I think Newcastle just have to accept that they are going to lose the odd game that they yeah. shouldn't. And it's just an inconsistency thing. And, you, you know, you. That's what separates good teams from the best teams is that they're consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so I was just talking about it again a couple of weeks ago. The quality gap between mid table and bottom of the table isn't huge. It is no, consistency and getting a wee bit of luck mm-hmm. and closing games out. Mm-hmm. Those sort of fine margins that determine sort of where you finish sort of eighteenth or eleventh or twelfth at sometimes. So yeah. Okay, so looking at uh, Arsenal West Brom, I mean we're seeing a bit more of an Arsenal resurgence now. It's kind of been required they won against uh, Badi Barasov midweek as well um, it's, it's, been, it's been Wenger in a nutshell hasn't it I mean these, taking these big hits and then bouncing back with you know spells good games well, yeah, in between obviously the Liverpool game was the the big disappointment yeah. but then Chelsea good result bounced back pretty well yeah. since yeah. And, uh, and great performance against Chelsea uh, then obviously the West Brom game now right. early on there was an there absolute was a, stonewall there penalty there was a stonewall there, penalty as clear as you'll see uh, Rodriguez Rodriguez got up and mm-hmm. got off a good shot but really I think the penalty should have been given there yeah. like 
I mean, to play the advantage, like it was, it was quite a wide angle. And yeah. I, you know, I didn't make it particularly clear if it was or was not an advantage given, but uh, no, it really should have been a penalty. And yeah, at nil nil, could have completely changed, changed the, the game. Dynamic of the game completely. That said, Arsenal, especially in the second half, in the second half, Arsenal looked very comfortable. Uh, like I said, obviously scoring twice is a big boost for them because. He's their big money signing. They're a lot expected of him, and he's done. All, he's done all right. He hasn't made the headlines in the way that perhaps some of the other, like we were talking earlier about how Murata was a wee bit more low key than say Lukaku or Aguero. And then obviously you'd have to say that Lacazette may be a tear down blow again. But he's been scoring fairly consistently, especially at home. And Arsenal have a good run of games that they can go on now, and they fancy them to win. So. They could be in a position in a few weeks' time where they're up around the, the right end of the table and then the pressure will start to be on again. So it'll, it'll be a big... They play Man City in November, at which time you think that they could well certainly be in the top four, if not up around the top one or two places. So that'll be when we see the pressure go on to them and see, do we get another Chelsea or do we get another Liverpool? I think um, this international break will be a, a big thing for Arsenal as well, depending on who's who comes back fit and who doesn't. I see uh, Mesut Ozil's been left out of the Germany squad, which might make him uh, a bit more aware that he has to do yeah. a bit more. Yeah. like Certain players you need a bit of competition. Against West Brom, mm. like, obviously he's a big money player. He's a player that generally be considered in the world-class bracket, but his performances, like, he can't live on reputation. No. At top clubs... Arsenal would consider themselves a top club. There's there's squad depth there. There's players who are good enough and willing to come in and take the place. And if if anybody's not doing not doing their job, like they can't just assume that based on their price tag or based on their reputation, that they're not going to be dropped. So well, there have been certain players over the years. Um, been been a world class world class player and all, but you know he had to leave Real Madrid because he couldn't get inside. Yeah, it's true. And James Rodriguez had to leave as well, and he would be classed as a World Cup, but he hasn't done anything consistent for years. You know, since the World yeah, Cup, he's based where he's World Cup, yeah, yeah. There have been certain players. I think Berbatov be a good example of you have to drop him every now and again to get the best out of him because they yeah. can get a bit too comfortable. I think yeah. the accusation you'd always aim. At I think that's just Arsenal in general. A lot <laughs> of their players, like that, yeah. they have to take a hide in now and then just just to revitalize them. Yeah. yeah. What you say about Ozil is that he's a fair weather player. Yeah. Ozil tends to play well when Arsenal are playing well. Yeah. He won't dig a, dig a losing side out. Okay, if we do a whistle stop tour of the Champions League games, then uh, some of the more important ones anyway. Uh, Real Madrid against Dortmunds. I mean, it's a strong away win. We talked about really good finish from Bale there. Uh, Real Madrid on for what a third, fourth, fourth consecutive, third consecutive, third, and third. fourth in the last five years. It would yeah. be. Yeah, like I do think, sadly, I'd have to say that it's a very good possibility. Mate. Well, not even that, but just Real Madrid, along with probably Barcelona, PSG, despite the recent results, Juve, Bayern Munich, and maybe these days, although you have to see a bit more from them, maybe the Manchester clubs, they're just a different level to what the likes of Dortmund. Dortmund can't afford to buy players of the quality that those clubs have. You see the likes of. Uh, Dembele going to Barcelona then obviously they've sold so many players to Bayern Munich that it's not really a surprise when Dortmund we think of them as a big side and they are a big side but it's not really a surprise when they're beaten at home by Madrid because mm-hmm. Madrid are just they're one of the uh, Leviathans of Europe and Dortmund aren't I, th- I think the Champions League just has too many teams in it and that's and it's becoming more and more evident especially this season you know, you know, Real Madrid are going to dominate, and Barcelona are probably going to dominate as well. And I, I think Madrid probably will win it, unless they get a, a couple of bad decisions in the in the knockout stages. I, I would imagine they'll go on and win and it. And the big again. clubs tend to get the decisions going their yeah, way. Yeah, as well, exactly. So it's even more unlikely. But I, I do think that there is a, a. I mean, when you look at the Europa League as well, I mean, there's there's some teams there that we're not even. Heard of before. Yeah. I mean, the outside you're playing against Everton. Oh, I wasn't. Oh. I wasn't familiar with them to begin no. with. Uh, no, and the only reason I could remember uh, Bate Barça was because they were in the Champions League the other year, mm-hmm. and then they played. Yeah. They, they was in Liverpool's group. Times, yeah, yeah, it was in Liverpool's group. I think. I think they were in Chelsea's group one year as well. Maybe. Mm. Uh, Celtic away to Anderlecht. I mean, that's not an side that last year had a few problems for United. I mean, that's not a bad side, and Celtic. 3-0 away it's very very strong results yeah it's a great result especially away from home it puts them in a great position now to get that Europa League place 
and get more European football after Christmas. So it's and that's more money, obviously, than if they just go out. So it's a great result for Celtic. So. Yeah, great character. <laughs> uh, looking to the PSG game, that's a three 0 home win for PSG. It's a strong results, uh, and it's probably important to mention that uh, it lost Carlo Ancelotti's job. I don't think it was just that game. No, but uh, uh, that was been particularly the final nail. The League, but yeah, I think it was the final nail in it. I think yeah. Baron for a couple of years now have been a club that in Europe have you say punched under their weight. Mm-hmm. Like well, uh, look how good the squad if is. If you look think. at something say like Juve, who have reached two of the last three finals, Bayern haven't reached finals since twenty thirteen. Like they've been really outclassed by teams that really shouldn't be outclassed and like the Atletico Madrid and stuff. Yeah, obviously Atletico are a very good side, but they don't have the players or the resources that Bayern have. They've been winning the league, but it's a bit like it's, it's almost a bit like Celtic and Scotland. Really, no one can really challenge them. Last year, they didn't win the cup, so they didn't get a domestic double. So, it's not actually oh, Ancelotti's done badly. It's just that it's such an enormous club. Like they are one of the giants of European football. A bit more is expected. You say some of the same criticism about Guardiola as well, like because that's where it started. Uh, they haven't. He never won a Champions League either. So it's interesting to see who who they'll go for now to try and really push them on to that top level where I think that they will feel that they belong. Okay, if we're going to take a look at the upcoming fixtures and make our predictions. First game of the programme is 12.30 kickoff tomorrow and that is Huddersfield and Tottenham. I mean, we've talked a bit about a potential hiding in there for Huddersfield. You know, they've, they've all started very brightly. They're pushing on well, but... They haven't played maybe a side quite at Tottenham's level. It's got the potential to, especially with the form that Kane's in at the moment. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a hiding. No. A couple of a couple of years ago, we saw when Burnley went down, and they're I think they're a similar sort of team to Huddersfield. Maybe not in terms of style of football so much, but in terms of the way the clubs run, and they didn't take a hiding. Huddersfield may take a hiding at some point this season, but I think at home they've been defensively very solid. I think Tottenham will win, but I don't see it being a real hammering. I think it'd probably about 2-0 Tottenham would be I, my prediction. I think you're probably right. I mean, it's got the potential to be a hammering, though. You know, it's got... Well, if, it, if they took out maybe an early goal, they might, you know, yeah. collapse that way. But yeah. if, if they can stave it off a bit longer, then who knows? I, th- I think 2-0 would be fair, and it'd be hard to bet against Kane getting both of those, the way he's playing at the minute. I'm, I'm going to call this 3-0. Three, three uh, can't guarantee how many Kane will or will not get, but I think... I think Tottenham could score three goals there. Their way form has been quite strong this season, so I think that could be the deciding factor. That it's not a home. <laughs> Although um, d- during the week there in the Champions League, the side they were playing um, did create a few problems for them. Mm-hmm. And they'd have to be wary of that. Okay, so uh, three o'clock kickoffs in Bournemouth and Leicester. I mean, uh, Bournemouth a bit of resurgence out of them now. Leicester have been attacking well, certainly made defensively uh, still a bit frail. But I expect to see goals there. Yeah, I think both sides aren't defensively brilliant, especially Bournemouth. It's two sides have been a bit unlucky so far this season. You know. uh, at times, yeah. yes. Uh, obviously, Leicester have had really difficult fixtures. Bournemouth have had a few difficult ones themselves. Uh, I think I see us being a draw, being at Bournemouth. I think it'll be two-two. Actually, I think this will be high scoring, hoping for a good game of football, and I think two all. I'm going for. Yeah, I went two-two myself. I think it's interesting that Vardy is expected to play this weekend, despite apparently carrying a, is a hip injury or thigh injury. Yeah, hip injury, I think. Hip injury that is keeping him out of the England squad. So, and certainly on form, he's been had a good season so far. That you'd think he would be in there. Yeah, it's it's peculiar how you can be ruled out for injury mm-hmm. to, in two matches time. Strange that. Must be something more to it. Maybe, maybe he just feels that he's okay to play, but he needs a rest at some yeah. point. Or perhaps different doctors see it differently. I mean, uh, but we're mm. not sure who's making these calls. If uh, if it's the club doctors who are advising England, or if their doctors are, maybe you just thought, well, I'll probably not play because Kane's playing so well, <laughs> so I may as well just stay at home. Possibly. Uh, I personally think that Bournemouth might just steal that one. You know, they've it's been a bit more of a response now. They were quite unlucky against Everton, maybe not to get more out of that game. Uh, I think they might just take that one one nil. Okay, so uh, West Brom at home to Watford. I mean, that's, that's two sides who started the season quite well. Um, 
you, you feel that uh, Watford might not be shy by coming out and attacking that. I mean, they certainly took the game to, to Swansea. Uh, yeah, I definitely think Watford will think that they're capable of getting a result there. Hmm. Uh, I'm inclined to actually back Watford to get the win. I know West Brom have had a reasonably good start, but they haven't won in their last four league games. Uh, they weren't bad against Arsenal. I mean, there was that penalty that could have changed the game so early yeah, on. Yeah, but I think that... With certainly with the way the form is at the minute, I think two one to Watford is uh, that's what I'm going to pick. So I, I'd thought about that myself, but I just went for one nil to West Brom because you know it's such a familiar result for them. I I can see them just shutting Watford out, mm-hmm. which it would be difficult to do, but. That's what Tony Pulis likes to do, isn't it? I see it being a draw there. I think we're we're all going for something different than that one. Then uh, I think it'd be a a one all, me not the most pretty game. Um, okay, so West Ham and Swansea. That's uh, that's two clubs certainly here, really hoping to turn their fortunes around. Um, you feel Billich there is an expectation at home to Swansea who haven't been so good. Really ought to win that one. Well, it looks like Antonio's going to be able to shake off his groin injury. He is going to feature. I think with West Ham being at home and with Swansea being so incapable of creating opportunities, I've got to pick West Ham to get the win here. Uh, West Ham was the shaky defensively. If You think if Swansea are going to create chances against anyone, this is as good a chance as they're going to get. So I'm going to say 2-1 to West Ham. Yeah, I think that's... That's fair, isn't it? Two one. I think that's that sounds about right. I think uh, they may have a bit more, bit more going for them. I think it'd be me three nil West Ham. I think it's. Uh, well, I think Bilic sees his job right on this one. You know, I think if they were to lose, he really could be up against it. Well, we, just, we mentioned that earlier, didn't yeah. we? That it, it... I mean, do do we think if he if he lost a just once at home, that that probably would be the the curtain call for him? It could be, but I don't think it'll come to it because I I think they'll get the result they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I mean, I, I, I don't really see Carlo Ancelotti going to to West Ham. I mean. Not personally. No. I think he'd maybe aim no. a little, a little more uh, higher profile that. than that. And then who else would be available to mm-hmm. to take the job? I mean, obviously there's endless lists of managers, but who really can? I mean, I, there was talk of um, Thomas Tuchel going to Arsenal, wasn't there? Well, Why Frank de Boer needs a job. I can't. <laughs> well, I can't really say that. No. David Moyes. Well, uh, we've talked about this, you know, but uh, if I was Dave Moyes, I would look to take a championship club from the beginning of the season and try and bring them back up. I would be surprised to see a Premier League club mm-hmm. give Dave Moyes a job at the minute. Yeah, if I, if I was David Moyes, I would be retired. <laughs> um, I, since leaving Everton, it has just been a big downward spiral. Because I think the last thing he needs to do is, is to take over a club in potential relegation. Because if he gets relegated, you know, again... And that CV starts to look so much worse. I mean, it's already suddenly taken a pretty big dip, you know, uh, post Everton. But no, I mean, if he was to be relegated again from the Premier League, that really it would just be so unflattering. Yeah, it would. And uh, you people, I think, have already sort of forgotten what he achieved with Everton. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think he's picked his his, um, his moves very badly since. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he yeah. wasn't going to turn the United one down. We can sort of. He wasn't the right man for the job, but you could see exactly why he took it, and it's hard to say no to, isn't it? Yeah. Since then, I think he has chosen his moves particularly well. But uh, no, uh, I I wouldn't be jumping on a, a relegation threatened club if I was him right now. And I know uh, I I did read I think that Allardyce is looking to get back into football, but I can't see him going no, back to West Ham. Back no, because no, no. I mean, they complained about the style of football that he played, yeah. and that's why they wanted him to to leave. So uh, I I don't know who. Who can really go for the job? You would have thought, though, if he's going to come back, I mean, surely to anyone would be Crystal Palace. I mean, he knows the squad so well. It's basically the same squad he left. Yeah, but he just quit that club in the summer. Yeah. Like, I couldn't see it happening. But, uh, okay, so looking to Stoke and Southampton then. Stoke's at, at home. Um, I mean, very poor home result for them. Well, I mean, we'll probably forgive it because how, how ruthless Chelsea were, but it's not ideal. Um, Southampton were pretty effective at keeping out my United for the best part. You know, it, it, it was a much more difficult game than maybe United had hoped for before. That could be quite a close contest, but maybe not that many goals. Quite a cagey affair. No, I expect Stoke to 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 be better. I expect them to win 1-0. I don't, I don't think there'll be a lot of goals in it. I think it'll be a Stoke win as well. I think Southampton are going to struggle to create. 
as they always do this season. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 to Stoke. I was thinking 1-0 as well, but I think just maybe they might just... If they score early on, then Southampton will have to come out a little bit more and might give that opportunity for them to get a second. So. I'm inclined to say one all based on the results of the last week, I think. Some were pretty decent against United. They could cause some problems. Stoke, uh, of course, they're going to look for a response, but the, maybe the confidence has been dented a bit by that, uh, that beating by Chelsea, which certainly wouldn't do the confidence any favours. So I could see that being a one-all. Maybe, again, not the most pretty game. Okay, so uh, this is probably one that uh, Roy Hodgson's going to dread, but United at home to Crystal Palace. I mean, what a, a run of fixtures they're having right now. Uh, the last team they'd want to play after being really tanked by Man City's have to come play Man United now. Yeah, and United scored a, a few goals during the week there, didn't they? Well, they put four, mm-hmm. four in, yeah. So, so they're in good goal scoring form. They've scored a lot of goals recently, uh, aside from the Southampton match. I mean, they only got one there. But I, I don't think it'll be an outright steamroller in. I, I, I think Hodgson's had another week yeah. with the Palace players. I, I, they, they, can't, they can't get beat 5 0 again. I don't I, think they will be. I no. agree with Rob. I, I think 2 0 United. Yeah. I, I don't think it'll be realistic. absolute hammering. It's just, you rarely see a Hodgson side get hammered like that. And the first 40 minutes didn't look like shipping up like that against City. And I, I see a more respectable defeat coming this time. So I think 2 0 United. Yeah, I think I think that's what I put 2 0. I, I just, I think there'll, there'll be a. The way they played for 40 minutes against City, they'll probably play like that for about 70 minutes this time, maybe. Uh, I mean, they're going to have a... It's a run of games there. I mean, you have City United. Is, is Chelsea next after that? Uh, for Yeah, but he's got, what, a week or so yeah. off for the international break. That's three games where one point for them would have been fairly respectable, yes, uh, yeah. well, being, being realistic. I mean, if if they... I mean, we, we both said 2-0 there. So that would yeah. be seven games without a goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's unheard of, isn't it? That really is. Really I mean, even bad. San Marino I must have scored a goal in seven games. Uh, I, they said match of the day. I think the last time anyone didn't score a goal in their first oh, six yeah, games I, was I saw Leicester that. in 1983, yeah, yeah. I think. And it was when oh, Gary Lineker was playing. They didn't lose all theirs. There was at least yeah. one or two nil-nils mm-hmm. yeah, and in there. So. I think Lineker said he was in that team yeah. and he still got 20-odd goals that season. So <laughs> he did all right. It happened eventually. Yeah. I don't think they went oh, down either. No, and uh, I just recall hearing this morning that Benteke is out for injured. six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks, yeah. So prime I mean, goal threats taken out of the, the <laughs> yeah. side with no goals. <laughs> he exactly. hasn't been scoring this season, though. So. No, but I mean, he, well, he, no he would be there. Yeah. He, he would be there. You know. Yeah. Who 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 else? I mean, did I have have backup. I mean, Loftus Cheek um, looked good last week. Yeah, yeah. He's but he's not yeah, really a goal getter, you know. But. Uh, um, I know he played further forward last week, didn't he? He was sort of yeah, off, off Benteke, yeah. so... Mm-hmm. Um, I think Palace are just going to have to defend deep and then give him the ball yeah. and see who he, who else can get up with it. Confine with it, but... Uh, yeah, um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know who would go up front. I'm, I'm inclined to say as well, probably... You sort of feel there must be due a goal eventually. I'll, I'll yeah. say 3-1, three, three, you know, I'd say 3-1's probably fair enough. Um, okay, so the... The late kickoff then uh, on on the Saturday is half five, Chelsea at home to Man City. I mean that's that's gonna be a real big six pointer then if we're looking at the title favourites here, Man City and uh, Chelsea at home. City have got their injury problems to do with no Aguero for that game as we said. That's gonna be a big big loss. No Mendy, Mendy yeah. either with ACLs with how ruthless Chelsea have been both in the Premier League last week and then in the Champions League midweek. Man City are going to have to play this very, very carefully if they if they are going to win this. Yeah, I fancy Chelsea. Uh, I just think in these big games they've been so good uh, under Conte. Obviously, they didn't get the win against Arsenal, but uh, like the Atletico midweek, I've already talked about such a great performance. I think home advantage, no Aguero. City have been really impressive this season, but they haven't really been tested yet. The only big name they've played is Liverpool. That was at home. Played most of that game against 10 men. Obviously, they came through it very well. But I think I fancy Chelsea to get this here. Uh, he's going to say 2-1 to Chelsea. Yes, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I, I would be inclined to think the same thing. Um I would like, obviously, been a neutral for the game. I'd like to see more goals, but you know, just because they have both been 
so free scoring in the last week or so doesn't mean that they're going to pile in the goals against each other because you'd expect them to be um, better defensively. So I, th- I think 2-1 is probably about fair, fair one to Chelsea, yeah. I, I think actually Chelsea might come away with a clean sheet there. I mean, that, I could come back to bet me if uh, Man City go and win that now, but I think it could be 2-0 to Chelsea. I think they've got a lot more physicality in the midfield than Man City are going to have. I mean, you've got the athleticism of uh, um, Kante and Bakayoko, yeah. And, I mean, that's going to be really hard for the likes of Silva to contend with. I mean, It'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if he goes uh, 3-5-2 rather than 3-4-3 again as he did against Atletico where he played Hazard as a second striker and, and then defensively the three men I mean, when you have three men in the midfield and one of those men's Kante like, mm-hmm. that's going to be near impossible so. Yeah, I, d- I wouldn't be surprised if he does line up that way again And then they defensively have been very astute Yeah, obviously no David Luiz this mm-hmm. week but, uh, And with no Aguero I just wonder if um, if that might just get the better of uh, Guardiola's side. So I think it's going to be 2-0 Chelsea, but can't be sure. Okay, so looking at the Sunday games. Arsenal and Brighton. I mean, um, the Arsenal resurgence, they're in a little bit of better form now after the, the Liverpool game. Brighton have been doing quite well as well. I mean, they beat Newcastle last week. It's got, maybe got the potential there to, to be a pretty decent game. I think Arsenal will be comfortable. Uh, or as comfortable as Arsenal ever are uh, I think 2-0 Arsenal they were same as against West Brom and I just think Brighton will not have enough really trouble them especially with Arsenal being at the Emirates they've got the stronger side and I think that they're getting that wee bit of form together now they can go on a bit of a run so I think 2-0 Arsenal Yeah I think that's that's fair enough I, I don't see Brighton causing them too many problems really um, I suppose the, the thing for Wenger is Maybe a selection thing for who he starts up front. You know, Lacazette's got a couple of goals. But Balkar got a couple the other night. Um, Giroud scored as well. So, you know, it just depends who he wants to who he wants to, to go up front with. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it was Walcott. Uh, yeah, so would I, really. But, uh, but you don't know. My guess would be we'd probably see Lacazette with Giroud coming off the bench. He's been a bit of a super sub the last year or so for Arsenal, so... He's got his 100th goal for us. He did, yeah. yeah. So I mean, he's got players coming in for a lot of stick, but he has been a good servant to the club, like, and he yeah. does, his goals record isn't bad, so yeah. he's never just really been prolific enough over the course of a season. It's hot and cold as well as he's been at times. So. Yeah. so if you had to put a score on the Arsenal-Brighton one? 2-0 Arsenal. Two-nil. Yeah, 2-0, no, I think. Again, I, I, saw the, uh, I can see Brighton maybe sneaking one there, so I'm going to say it's uh, 3-1 Arsenal. Okay, Everton and Burnley. Um, you feel it's me bound to turn. I mean, for Everton, they have got another win now. Uh, yeah, well, they were they were pretty they, they poor. Were they were very poor. You say you feel personally. I don't. No, I, like really, they've been so more in a way. It's kind of due. They're, they're, it's sort of bound to pick up though. You know? If they don't play better, it's just not going to pick up. Mm-hmm. Like and Burnley's away form has been good. This it has season. been good. Uh, I'm going to go for a one-all draw here because I simply think that. The, uh, this game will suit Everton a bit more because they'll have more of the ball where they don't need that pace to counter. But I still think with those defensive frailties, Burnley will be able to put enough pressure on Everton as well when they do have the ball. That I think that I think one all. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's fair enough. I think I think Burnley will come away or something. They, they can't go to Stamford Bridge and and Wembley uh, and Anfield. And come away with you know five points from three games, and and then go to Everton, who are playing very very poorly. They'd, they'd be very disappointed if they came away with nothing if Everton play so poorly. Um, I, th- I think there might be some sort of a response to Everton. I'm not sure it'll be comfortable for them in any way, but I think they might just win that one two one. I think they might just uh, have just a bit more going for them in that one. Okay, and then the, the half four kick off on the Sunday is. Newcastle at home to Liverpool, of course, that's Rafa Benitez welcoming back Liverpool. Could be an interesting enough game. Yeah, I think unpredictable supporters will give Benitez a really oh, yeah. really good, uh, well, not exactly welcome, but a warm reception, I suppose. Uh, again, Liverpool have been really struggling lately. They got their win last week. It's two sides that are very hard to predict at the moment. Yeah, they are. I, I'm especially with being at St James's Park. I'm going to go for another draw here, one all. Like Liverpool have had a few draws 
recently in games you'd have fancied them to win both the Champions League and the league so the Burnley game springs to mind so so I'm going to go for one all does this this particular fixture does have a history of a lot of goals I think it was always at Anfield though when it was the four threes in the, the those big games in the 90s yeah, and a few it? years back during Benitez's time at yeah. Liverpool mm-hmm. Liverpool had a really good record against Newcastle they were beating them 5-0 yeah. 6-0 and the like yeah, I, I do think there'll be I, I, I think there'll be a few goals in this I, I think I'm going to go for a 3-2 again to Liverpool I think there'll be a few goals in this um, I I think they'll they'll probably try and rile up uh, Shelby as well former Liverpool it could player be, yeah. if, if he, he played, played yeah, he came Benitez, off the bench didn't he will yeah. Benitez trust him in sort of a high intensity fixture I don't think he will actually. I, I certainly think don't think he'll start maybe he'll come off the bench yeah. if he needs to try well, and push for something I'm, I'm quite wary of the fact that uh, I mean, uh, Benitez was able to take very good results against very good attacking sides in the Champions League with Liverpool like uh, he had a few good results against the likes of Barcelona um, that was over two legs he was able to under them pretty well in just a simple league match here, it might be a different sort of atmosphere. But I, I'd be wary of uh, how well he could, you know, set up a team to to bring out, to draw out an attacking side and then counter quite well. So, especially with how Liverpool are being defending, I'm I'm not fully confident. I think that might play into the hands of Rafa tactically quite well. I'm still going to be the optimist and say two one Liverpool, but it's uh, it's not a game I'm fully confident we could take much from. Okay, so that uh, wraps up another episode of Kicking the Balls. Uh, Join us again next week and uh, have a good week.